Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. And Today I'll be speaking with Trevor Dunn, the bassist and multi-instrumentalist best known for his work in the experimental rock group Mr. Bungle, as well as working with Tomahawk, Fantomas, The Melvins, Mad Love, Nels Klein, and many more. Dunn is back with, and forgive me, I'm probably going to butcher this, Merdeka Atal Mati. It's a debut album from Sperm Church's new project with the late musician Sanity. It's an experimental project that uses electronics, percussion, and is listed in the press release as containing elements of abstraction and trap music, battling cultural conditioning with non-traditional tunings, glissandos, percussion, and a max MSP patch, using minimal elements to play with a lot of bass and drums, and bass mostly, you turn patterns inside out. In today's interview, Dunn discusses the origins of Sperm Church, what it's like to promote an album in the wake of Sanity's passing, Sonic approach behind the new release, launching his new label, River Worm Records, the future of Mr. Bungle, and much more. So check out the interview and stay tuned afterwards. We'll be playing a song off the new album. Well, I guess we'll go and get started here. First off, I want to say I'm really enjoying the new Sperm Church album a lot. I've, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this title, but Merdeka... Atau Mati, is that even close to being right? Well, honestly, I don't know. I, it's Indonesian, um, and I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know. It, it's um, uh, you know, it, it's it's um, I think this might have been the press release, release. It means live free or die. And then I, you know, I crossed out the middle word, which is the or part, because you can't really hit, make a choice of doing one or the other you kind of have to die either way <laughs> <laughs> well i know that um you know this is a collaboration between you and and, and the musician sanity um yeah uh, when did you to discover each other and what inspired you to to work together how did that come about i met her probably um i want to say um like 10 years ago or something and she was actually a trumpet player originally and and was involved in like improvised music scene in the Netherlands. And, um, we had a bunch, several mutual friends in common and, um, just known her for years. And, and then she, at a certain point she, um, got kind of lost her connection with the trumpet and decided to become an electronic musician and developed its really, uh, c- uh complex, um, sequencer, you know, drum machine in max MSP. And, um, I mean, it's funny, the name of the band Sperm Church kind of was the first thing that happened. It was, it was, it, we came across it when we both sort of misread a street sign, um, <laughs> uh, North Jersey when we were hiking and, um, you know, we saw that we passed by the sign and we just, and I, I think I remember I said, did that sign just say Sperm Church? And, and I think it said something like Spring Church or Springfield or something, but <laughs> You know, we thought, man, that's a great name for a band. Okay, let's start a band. And and then eventually we kind of had to figure out what that was going to be, you know, what how are we going to make electric bass and electronics kind of um, fit together. I mean, I, I also kind of experimented with upright bass a few times. and um, But, uh, yeah, it took a lot of kind of back and forth and, and just trying to figure out what it would be without it. We wanted to be, you know, we're not going to be like a – you know, like a, like a trap band or something, but, um, and we also didn't want to just be like an improvised duo. You know, we wanted 
we want to have flexibility with the music um but also kind of not just be completely free because i don't know there's a lot of connotations with improv with just free music um you know it's fun to do sometimes but more than often than not it sounds terrible (laughs) (laughs) neither of us really listen to it you know just for fun so like how can we have that kind of flexibility in live but maintain this some kind of structure well, you you mentioned that, and I was looking at the press at least too, talking about how you chose the instruments for the for the album. Did you kind of come up with like a certain amount of limitations for it? like we're only going to use this, this, and that, or or were you kind of more open to things just going as it went, or how did you kind of decide on the format for how you're going to work together? Kind of, we're actually trying to give ourselves a lot of limitations, like like kind of make lists of of parameters. You know, whether it was like, um, you know, I mean, the obvious ones are, you know like uh um tempo and pitch and you know bending versus not bending or pedals versus not pedals or you know for me like using a pick or using my finger like trying to like organize things systematically and and have reasons for um for applying them essentially so kind of trying to trying to come up with some sort of algorithm i guess and and um and not you know and also for me as a bass player stepping outside of a just a tr- traditional like bass player role like i didn't want to just come up with some funky bass lines for her trap beats you know or to like how can i what can i do here to you know um uh, use sound and noise even to to create some kind of flow definitely kind of the m- most sort of uh noise oriented thing i've ever done really other than like chaotic improvising on my upright bass but (laughs) (laughs) well you were talking about the english translation of of the album title and i would imagine that would have i guess extra significance given the the fact that sanity passed away and yeah well actually to be honest that um so she was half indonesian half dutch and that phrase comes from it was basically the indonesian's sort of uh mantra when the dutch were um, colonizing so she was sort of embodied the oppressor and the oppressed at the same time and she had that phrase um tattooed on her arm um and then it was actually her idea you know for her it was almost kind of a joke i think but um but uh at one point she said told me that she was thinking about having that middle word crossed out and which is when i decided to name that name the record this which is sort of you know obviously a tribute to her um uh i decided i'm gonna do that you know that's her idea i'm gonna do that you know and and um yeah yes it certainly does have a lot of uh the kind of heavy significance there yeah well i i guess does it feel weird to be promoting an album given that and what did you think you learned from her as an artist what would you think was the main thing you learned from her and what do you think uh wow um well first of all um uh, yes it is weird to be promoting a record like this um which obviously i've you know never had to do i don't know that i mean i'm sure some people have of course before me but uh but uh I mean, in terms of what I've learned to her, it's kind of, uh, that's a, that's a huge question. I mean, there's so much I can't even begin, you know, I mean, she's first, first of all, got me into, uh, 
electronic music in in general i would say and um really taught me how to just like um challenge myself and approach things in a different way i mean i always kind of lean toward that to a certain degree but um she was a really hard worker and really uh, a problem solver and um we definitely had two different ways of thinking and figuring things out i you know i tend to be a lot more kind of um sort of like uh uh um, you know, off the cuff kind of, uh, you know, go with the flow kind of, let's just see how it turns out. And she was a lot more rigid. So we kind of, it was, it was a good test for me, you know, to, um, try and figure these things out and, and, you know, think about approaches that I hadn't, that don't come naturally to me. And, um, I think that's a good thing in general, cause it's, I think that's good advice for anyone, you know, because it's, it's so, um, typical for us as humans to fall into habits and patterns and do the things that are easy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and like I said, I mean, some of that challenging myself does come naturally. I mean, when I write music myself, I'm, you know, I might attempt, I might write bass lines on a keyboard or something just to get myself away from the bass. And, um, I mean, I've definitely written some of my favorite bass stuff on an instrument that wasn't bass because I'm, I'm not falling into the, I'm going for the upright um, gesture here, <laughs> but uh, you know I'm falling into those physical habits of things that feel comfortable, things you're used to. You know, um, I mean, damn, like pick up an in- instrument you don't know how to play. You know, conference <laughs> for me. You know, and like, oh wow, let me screw around. I'm like, oh, I like the sound of that. How is that? What's that sound like if I play that on bass now? Whoa, I would never would have thought of this. You know, it's just takes you outside of the box essentially and, and um i'm looking here at my questions and i i noticed one of my favorite songs on the new album that i really got into a lot was i want to get the title right was you thoroughly want the thing that mounts i really like that one quite a bit yeah. and it yeah i was um you know that's a, that title actually sort of came up by chance um a lot of the titles were our phrases that her and I had written down over the years, just things in conversation that we thought were that stuck out to us. And we would keep lists of stuff like that. And, uh, and, um, that, but that title, um, I wasn't sure what to call it. And then I was trying to do like this sort of, um, uh, phonetic play on her name. And, um, I was messing around with, you know, uh, different phrases and stuff in Spanish and, um, or, you know, even, even Google translating like French, I'll, I don't know, or whatever. And then I ended up speaking with a, a friend of mine who's like a Greek, like ancient Greek, uh, scholar essentially. And, um, and kind of said, Hey, you have any words that would sound like this, like this, you know, Sana's name, like her whole, uh, you know, formal name. And that's the phrase that came up with. So if you say that Greek, which is printed on the record, you know, um, uh, if you say that, if anyone knows how to speak Greek and you say it out loud, it's going to sound like her name, which is, and then that's the English translation. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pretty happy with the, that when I, when my friend, you know, helped with that, um, cause I think it's, it, I don't know if it's modern, I think it's ancient Greek actually. So it's not something you typically run across or for me as an American, I don't know anyone who 
speaks ancient Greek, you know, <laughs> so with the result, like the translation, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That I wanted something that like, you know, doesn't have to have any meaning, like all the, all the titles, you know, um, are up for interpretation, like, and that, that's kind of part of the concept of, of the band and, and our approach too, is like, you know, shouldn't necessarily have any connotation. Like you can, um, you know, come up with your own connotations where we really were striving to battle cultural, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know, for lack of a better term, connotations or, or cultural uh, habits or ex- expectations, I guess, you know, um, in, in our music and, and otherwise, too, even personally. So, um, I mean, it's funny when people talk about improvised music, like, hey, I'm going to do the set of free music, but you almost can already hear it. You know, there's it, there's a formula, even if it's totally free, like it. Like, why can't that include a trap beat or, you know, or a a song form or something like what? What if you improvise that? Not a lot of people go for that approach. Usually it's like this skronk fest of chaotic energy and atonality, which is cool. I'm not dissing that at all, but um, just saying like this is patterns, this cultural thing, that that's what free means, you know. Um, So live, live free slash die i mean what is living free mean <laughs> <laughs> this day and age it's a huge question you know so yeah. everyone's got their opinions about what that actually means and what 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 is freedom you know like oh what I, you know i don't know last year at this time when people were bitching about not being able to get their hair cut you know yeah <laughs> yeah pretty pretty so, sheltered <laughs> we yeah as, as a culture yeah. we are yeah well, what I I liked about the song, it, it kind of almost reminded me of Aphex Twin a little bit, just as far as the electronic aspects of it. And I, I like the way that the percussion almost had kind of a vocal quality to it, almost like a kind of a sing-song feel. So yeah. what, was that one that was improvised at first, or was that written out, or was that kind of a mix between the two? Or None of the music was ever written out. It was, it was all, most of it generated within Sana's beats, you know, in the, in Max MSP. Um, that one actually went through a lot of variations and there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a vocalist that, that sanity sampled. And so that's kind of the uh, big part of that piece. Um, and then like shifting it harmonically. I mean, that's a big thing that I did in that piece was kind of, um, kind of building this, this thing that you're, you know, like, like, um, I don't know, pivoting, um, uh, um, um, uh, key centers, uh, and pivoting, like where the one is changing that. I mean, in a way, if like what I know about harmelotics, like Ornette Coleman's system of harmelotics, I feel like it has something akin to that. Um, um, whereas you could be playing, you know, in a certain scale that has a root, you know, let's say you're playing in, um, you know, C Phrygian or something. And then all of a sudden the harmonics shift so that, now the now the tonic becomes the root becomes the third note of that scale. So and you weren't expecting that, you're expecting things to resolve a certain way. And um, I mean that's kind of a compositional trick that composers I think have been using for years. But I don't know to put it in this context with electronics and samples and and beats. You know, um, 
yeah, I think that's all kind of plays into how we were creating the music. And there's also a couple of other songs that had vocals on it. It kind of used more texturally because you've got Martyrs, Badgers, Other Rodents, and then Plenty of Time that kind of used those as well. Was it always kind of designed as an instrumental album, though? Did you ever think about bringing in a vocalist or just using it as, as kind of like another element but not in the forefront? We did, actually. We, we toyed with um, kind of um, having someone kind of sing hooks, you know. Um, we're definitely into the concept of like th- this idea of a hook. You know, something that's very catchy, um, even in context of it being, you know, somewhat obscure music. You know, we wanted this idea of hooks and vocalists. Um, but yeah, basically, we ended up just, you know, I, th- I think, I, th- I think in Martyrs, it might be there's there's samples of um, some kind of uh, uh, ritual, like um, um, in. Um, um, indigenous like you know ritual music um as well as some gamelan stuff and um yeah and to be honest i don't some of the stuff that sanity sampled i'm not 100 percent sure what it is that was kind of all within her language you know within her it's like she didn't worry about what pedals i was using and i didn't worry about what she you know that's we're we're focused in our own worlds there and then like how can we make those things fit together and speaking of that, I was also reading that there was a new software instrument that, that was used for the album that kind of used algorithms for percussive elements. Um, that was her sequencer. Yeah. That I was talking about. I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, it was housed in like MSP and she was using, um, uh, um, uh, now I'm spacing on not super collider, but one of these programs, you know, uh, and, um, so, but then she was working with a, a Dutch programmer um, and creating this, you know, web of of um, of basically being able to take uh, layers of sound and 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 manipulate them individually, um, especially in terms of tempo. And she would like squash th- certain things. You know, she could take a rhythmic figure and expand it, but keep it on this grid. But it the way she's kind of messing with it, it doesn't sound like it's on a grid. Um, and then being able to improvise with that quickly. So a lot of times she would come up with something and then basically record herself kind of jamming until she liked it, you know, and then, um, and then be like, Oh yeah, okay, here's this, you know, uh, these beats that are sort of like evolving in a certain way and doing things you don't expect. And, um, most of that, I would say like 98% of all that is over my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a bass player, you know, <laughs> I mean, I understand rhythm and, and, um, that was a lot of, a lot of stuff we worked on was kind of that, like me sort of like getting into the core of what she was doing rhythmically and how can I, you know, adjust to that, um, intuitively, but also know what's, underlying there and and knowing how to you know navigate it and get around it and i know that you know you chose specific pedals for that and, and you said you kind of broke out your comfort zone as far as not uh, of, of what you played on the album what was i think i guess the most rewarding part as far as coming up with something that you hadn't really done before as far as your approach to to recording i mean it was super fun because normally you know if someone gives me as a bass player someone gives me music says, hey we need a bass part on this you know it's pretty clear like okay you know am i gonna <clears throat> am i gonna 
like double the guitar here, or maybe I'll come up with some counterpoint, or maybe I'll focus on like, you know, the rhythm with the drums or whatever it is. And in this instance, I was able to, you know, normally I, uh, you know, if I use pedals with any rock band, even if there's improvising involved, it's, it's pretty limited. I use, you know, distortion, octaver, maybe sometimes maybe some kind of, um, granular loop thing for the weirdness, you know, but with, with sperm church, I was adding, like, I had a huge array of pedals and so I could set up like a couple of different loops at the same time, um, and manipulate them separately. And that was totally rewarding for me. It was really fun. It was like, it was like I had my, uh, that was my sort of computer in a way. And I'm, you know, very much in the knob world and, you know, with that. And, um, um, I think the, the second track, um, uh, um, uh, what street is this? I mean, you can't tell it's bass, but that a lot of that kind of weird bendy sine wave stuff is all bass. That's me kind of oh, like wow. creating, basically I created like one sound, like a, a hit one note. And then I'm able to kind of like, um, get a couple different things going, chasing each other. And, and, uh, I mean, live it looked, you know, I would, I would hit this note and, and then I'd be bent over with my pedals the whole time. You know? <laughs> um, and that was definitely out of my comfort zone. And, and, um, you know, relying on that more than, than sometimes more than actually like holding down a groove or being technical or something. It was, it's a totally different ten- technique for me, but I've learned a lot doing it and it's something I'll want to continue doing in the future. And, uh, you're releasing this album on your new uh, label Riverworm records, and you definitely picked a, an interesting time to start a record label given <laughs> <laughs> a good friend of mine. Um, uh, uh, just texted me today. Cause you know, she's in California and, and, uh, she knew about this, this flooding that was happening. She's like, so what's up with the, you know, floods and starting a label during end times. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I really want this record to be, I wanted to put it out there, you know, partly because I just want to hear, I want people to hear, what sanity has been doing. And, and I mean, in, for that in particular, I highly recommend her website, sanity.com. Um, cause there's a lot of her other stuff on there. Um, but you know, I shopped this, we finished the record and like we mixed it in, um, March of 2020 and, uh, right before the shit hit the fan and, 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 you know, then I shopped it around for a while and, you know, I don't have a lot of, leads in the electronic music world um so i was there was a lot of shots in the dark you know um there were definitely some kind of bigger electronic labels i thought wouldn't work would have been great on but um but you know that's how that goes like it it harked back to my days in the 90s sending out cassette tapes of my own stuff to record labels and just getting tumbleweeds back, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, a uh, humble person. I don't like, I, I wasn't expecting, you know, like, um, some huge label to be pounding on my door, but I did have some really, uh, encouraging feedback from some people who have their own DIY labels. And, you know, after talking to them, it just seemed to make more sense that I just, instead of, like using their brand to put out my record and then splitting the costs with them. Like, why not just do it myself? You know, hopefully 
I'm at a point in my career where I can kind of um, have my own brand, you know. Um, um, so I'm not exactly sure how in depth I'm going to go with this label. You know, I I have some plans for a few more things of my own I would put out. Maybe maybe I'll put out other people's stuff. I'm not really sure, but it's kind of just like you know, Island of Misfits. You know, I always think of that <sighs> Christmas special, oh, which Rudolph. is where. I, yeah, and it's like. This is where the weirdos go on this island. And I, I mean, I'm already on an island of misfits. Like Ipecac Records is an island of misfits. But, you know, I have this is like a little archipelago, I guess, you know. <laughs> I have to take a – you have to take the the ferry out to the main island. And then, you know, I, get, I have to get in a canoe and go out to my little niche island. <laughs> and, and I'm happy. You know, it's it's fun doing it. I'm like, you know, screw it. I want this out there, you know, if I can get – some people to check it out, you know, then that's great. Well, what do you think's been like the biggest challenge? What's been like the most rewarding part for you for starting a label so far? What do you think's like, it's kind of stood out to you? I think, uh, one thing that stood out was when I got the CDs in the mail, because I mean, I've certainly had that experience before with records that I'm involved in and you, you know, you're not sure how it's going to turn out when you actually get the physical thing in your hands. But to really be involved from the get-go with this, um, I had a good friend help me out with the with the um, with the layout and the and the artwork and all that stuff. Um, but when I actually, you know, and I put I added I went a little um, over the you know pay, a little extra expense was having the gold foil on the CD itself for the for the um, uh, titles. Um, and when I actually opened that up and saw that it was exactly what I had in mind and it was, it kind of has, it's, you know, it's kind of got this bling element to it, I think, <laughs> which goes with some of the music. And, and, um, I was so happy that it came out that looking really good, you know? Um, I mean, the music is one thing, that's something I've already been thinking about for years. And I'm kind of already over that, which is typical with any kind of music I'm involved in. You know, like when it, when it finally is released, I'm already like, man, I've heard this a million times, you know, <laughs> to move on. but to get the artwork, that's like the new thing, you know, that's new to me. And like, Oh my God, this is like, this is great. It's perfect. So that was, that was a big thing. And, you know, my little logo, you know, my Riverworm logo that, uh, my friend helped me design and, and which is based on a drawing that Sanity made years ago. Um, you know, all that is like a tribute to her. So it's very, uh, was very, all that was very re rewarding. Yeah. So you said you, you kind of have your Island of Misfit toys. You mentioned, there, do you have anything already lined up for release on the label after this or still kind of thinking that through or. I think the next thing I'm going to do is, um, I did, a um, some, uh, uh, film music for this art film, this guy in, in New Zealand actually. And, um, uh, I think it's about 40 minutes worth of music and uh, it's uh, I think I'm going to release that just digitally um, because, you know, already like film music is not a big seller. So I figure, you know, and, and I don't there, I don't know anywhere where I can shop that around. So that's kind of perfect for my own label. I mean, I have my own band camp that I've been um, putting on stuff on for the last couple of years, but I'm sort of, I guess I'm sort of from now on, it's going to be, it'll be the sperm church. I mean, it'll be the uh, river worm label, you know, um, with anything that 
any weird thing that I'm doing that I don't think, you know, rightly so no one else is going to put out no one else is going to make any money off of me doing that so i might as well just do it myself um and uh i mean i'm i'm actually work i'm writing out charts right now for my next trio convulsion record which i'm i think i'm gonna um not put on my label i think um i have a friend who started a label recently i'm i'm not gonna mention it yet because uh, it's not solidified but um but i think it'll be a better home for it it's you know things you know, there are all these little islands of misfits and that's why so many people have their DIY labels, you know, and you kind of have the right label to access, um, whatever, uh, canoe party is coming to that island. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did just really briefly want to touch on Mr. Bungle real quick, uh, given last year's release of the raging wrath of the Easter bunny. Was that really satisfying to finally get like an official recording of, of your demo tape and get to kind of revisit that? Was that, it totally was. That had kind of been a dream of mine for a while. And, um, you know, when I presented that to the rest of the band, I, you know, it was, first of all, I was surprised that everyone was like, yeah, we're totally, you know, Mike and Trey in particular, um, um, you know, I was like, man, I got this crazy idea. What if we did that? Because I think it's something that the three of us always referred to, you know, we even, you know, even when we were an active band in the, in the nineties, um, we would occasionally would cover, a song or parts of a song from that demo nobody knew what it was but you know <laughs> like man let's play some of this metal again that we wrote you know and and um so you know having it in this kind of like crystal clear package for once you know, it was totally satisfying and it was also super satisfying to be back in the recording studio with those guys and also dave and scott who were like super fun to work with everyone was it was very uh it was cool to get back in the studio with mike and trey and after so many years and just being like oh yeah we've kind of grown up a little bit and we can like you know uh be a little bit more adult with the way we interact <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> like man let's i feel like that happens to everyone you know like you know you grow up together there's weird messy stuff happens and then you're like ah you know what we were kids we were idiots <laughs> so <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was all that was really fun. Yeah. Did, do you think, was there any like inspiration for any new material that came from that or was like, for- no, it, it was very much focused on that project, you know? Um, I mean, that's still sort of, a um, an, I guess an open, I guess there's still a bookmark in that, on that page somewhere. Um, but we've yet to open it that page yet you know i guess the you know i guess you could say the possibility is still there what to what degree i don't know it's hard to say but um um we still you know all enjoy each other's company and and so um you know so that's that speaks for a lot <laughs> yeah no it's and it's and it sounds like you guys even though even though it was from your beginning it was like you picked up where you left off from the very first. It's an interesting kind of way to to get back into it. I don't think I've ever, you know, it's it's a it's a. There's no other band that's I think has attempted that as far as I know. So that yeah, I mean, it's it's typical of us to be like, I mean, because, uh, people have been asking us all you know about a reunion or whatever for years, you know, for for the 20 years that we haven't been playing, um, and. Uh, it's pretty typical of us to be, to say like, Oh, this is what you want. Okay. We're going to give you what you want. You want a reunion, you know? So 
I mean, we would do that at our live shows. You know, people would want to hear request songs, and then we'd totally screw up the arrangement. You know, I'm like, <laughs> we played it at half tempo and threw some cover songs in the middle of it, but hey, we played it. So <laughs> that's a typical bungle. I'm not really sure um, why that is, uh, or, you know, I don't know. It has something to do with where we grew up and how we grew up together and being, um, trying to be open-minded in a really small town and, and not, not letting ourselves get sucked into any one way of thinking, you know? So, um, and it's, it's also really fun. It's fun to get those reactions, you know? Um, uh, even when people are critical, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious. Like, you know, when that, there were some, I, I, made the mistake of reading some comments where people are like, this isn't the real bungle, you know, Mr. Bungle's those Warner brothers records. And I'm like, okay, you're telling me what bungle, is, you know? like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it. You know, you, I, I guess if, you know, if cheap trick came out with, and there was only one original member and they turned into like a, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, like a horrible, uh, funk metal band or something. I would, <laughs> I'd probably be up in arms. I'd be like, this isn't the real cheap trick, you know, but also it's their band. They can do whatever they want. You know, I just yeah. don't listen to it. So if I want the old cheap trick, I'll listen to the old cheap trick records, <laughs> which I <laughs> do anyway. <laughs> well, um, I know the Delta variants kind of throwing a wrench in the works with everything, but I know you guys have got some shows for riot fest in Chicago, but I was wondering if you have any more of those, shows planned or anything else for other projects you're working on? I, I imagine it would be hard to do a sperm church thing live without sanity to, to yeah. accompany you, but do you have any live plans for anything else or is, are you still just kind of not really there yet? Yeah, not totally there. I mean, these, these shows coming up with in Chicago with Mr. Bungle are already kind of like, ah, you know, there was a couple of weeks ago we were like, ah, should we do this? You know, so many people or so many artists are like pulling out just, because just for concerns you know um so we had to consider that and now we just found out that the venue where we're doing our sideshow is is requiring proof of vax so that actually makes us all a little more comfortable you know um we have uh some we're toying with some uh shows in around december which i can't really talk about yet um and some stuff last year i mean this this version the raging wrath version of bungle we had before, you know, the pandemic hit, we were planning on doing a, like a bunch of shows. Um, so we're hoping that we can get back to some of that. Um, in terms of like sperm church. Um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably not going to be a version of that with, with me playing the tracks, but there are, there is a lot of material that I have that I could eventually kind of record and do something with and, you know, present it as, you know, Trevor Dunn's sperm church or something. I don't know. Um, that's that's occurred to me you know and and, and kind of keeping her you know it's super important for me to like keep her, her spirit alive and so i want to um that's why i maintain her website and i try to like update it occasionally and you know because there's a lot of she had a lot of really amazing inter- interesting ideas that were unfulfilled so i'm it's i have a lot of material to work with there which i think i could do something with very cool well i guess that wraps up on my last question is is there anything else you wanted to add about the new album or are there any other projects you want to promote that you're working on or is that pretty much anything else you could think of that you would like to uh, 
Yeah, I don't have, I mean, my aside from like this soundtrack thing I was talking about, which maybe I'll do, I don't, I'm not sure when, I'll, maybe in a couple months or something, I'll release that. Um, but I've, I commissioned several video artists to make videos for the Sperm Church record, and I've, I've released two of them already. There's hopefully, there's at least three, uh, two more that I have already, and I'm waiting on a couple people. So I'm going to just kind of continue to release those um just to kind of keep the momentum of that record going and also i think that it it the that kind of music lends well to some visual element um and then the next thing i'm after that is uh i'm recording trio convulsant with a um with a added chamber quartet to it which is a so it's a seven piece ensemble and i'm recording that in january um oh wow so you know when the time comes i'll be trying to promote that as well. Um, that's the thing that's probably not going to be on my label, but, um, but, uh, uh, I'll be promoting it nonetheless. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks for taking time out to talk to me today, Trevor. It's been a real pleasure. And yeah, you uh, bet. appreciate it. Thanks for the, thanks for the uh, interest and support. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day. Thanks a lot. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Big thanks to Trevor for taking the time out today for today's interview. You can buy the new Sperm Church record via his new label, which you can find at spermchurch.bandcamp.com. You keep track of all things Mr. Bungle at mrbungle.com. As promised, we're closing out with a song off the new album, so take a listen to the previously discussed You Thoroughly Want the Thing That Mounts. Give it a listen. I think you'll dig it. Until next time, stay safe and stay sane.